Good things happen to those who believe God loves them. That's the title of my sermon. It is the world's longest title to any sermon ever preached. Good things happen to those who believe God loves them. Can you say amen? amen. Believing God's love is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believing that God loves you is the only power. It's the power of the gospel. And the gospel is the only power that sets men and women free. It sets a man for a man will be addicted to pornography and be afraid to leave town to be alone in a hotel room by himself because of all the temptations are there. And he'll do his best to, to try to get the willpower up to break that bondage because he knows he hates it. He knows God hates it. He knows his wife hates it and he can't break it. But the only way to break that is not in trying harder, but we're surrendering yourself to that God loves me and God cares about me and God, I can't do this in my flesh but I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me and so I'm just going to remind, remind myself whether I succeed or whether I fail you love me whether I'm up or whether I'm down you love me whether I'm in the city or out of the city you love me whether I'm with my wife or by myself you love me and the more you meditate on that love the stronger the power of the gospel is works in your life and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation can you say amen Matter of fact, I even know a man that quit smoking, smoking cigarettes. Brother Tim, is smoking a sin? Well, I don't know about that. Will smoking send you to hell? No, it just make you smell like you've been there. It'll cut your life short. It's a bondage that you don't want to get. It's just not what you're supposed to be doing. And I know a man that he would, he would, he would get, he would be as addicted to nicotine, and, and he would smoke, and he would come to the altar. He would get prayed for. They would touch him on the head. He'd fall down. They'd cover up his legs for some reason. They cover up his legs, and, and <laughs> he'd get up, and he'd feel so good in church. He'd take those cigarettes and he'd wad them up and he'd throw them out the car window. But he's broke. So in two hours he's back in that ditch looking for those cigarettes because <laughs> trying to tape them back together. He did that over and over and over again. Until finally you just quit trying. You just buy more mints. Try to hide it now. Try to hide it better. And here's, what, here's how he quit smoking. Father, I thank you, God, I'm free from cigarettes. I thank you that you love me whether I smoke or I don't smoke. What I do, it, means it affects your love for me. While I was still a sinner, you love me. And I've surrendered my life to you. And you see the hold this has on me. But I thank you, God, that I'm free from nicotine. I thank you, God, that I'm free from smoking. He would take his cigarette lighter and he would light his cigarettes. He would say, I thank you, Lord God. That you smit me free from sin. I thank you, God, that I'm free. I thank you, Lord God, I am free from cigarettes. He would put that one. Have you ever seen me smoke so much that they would like the next one with the one they just got through with? He just smoked that all. I thank you, Lord God, I'm free. He would, oh, I thank And the whole time says, you, you idiot. You're a fool. You're an idiot. What are you doing? What are you doing? You can't say you're free from smoking and you're smoking one right out of the other. As a matter of fact, he began to smoke more. But you know what happened? It took him about 14 days. But one day he was standing on the street corner, thanking God that he was free from cigarettes. Thank you, Father, I'm free. And he reached in his pocket to get those cigarettes and realized, I do not want this cigarette. 
He didn't throw them away because he'd done that before. He just put them back in his pocket and said, well, I'm, you know, maybe I'm smoke less. But noon came. And, and have, didn't anybody here used to smoke? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but if you had smoked, the best cigarette of the day was the one you first get out of bed with your first cup of coffee. That was a good one. But let me tell you something, folks. At noon, he didn't smoke. and the evening, he didn't smoke. He got up the next day. Basically, he put them on his dresser, and weeks later, they had no more hold. He didn't have to throw them away because they had no power over him. It's meditating on how much God loves you and beginning to confess with your mouth what God has already done on the inside of you. You will never change your outside until you know that you're accepted by the Father on the inside. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 34. Let's turn there and look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 34. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 34 says, Wake up from your drunken... That's, I hate that. That's a terrible translation. Can I have your Bible pass? Let me just see this. The 34th verse says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. But you go to a lot of churches, they preach against sin so much that they have you awake to your sin and you're asleep to your righteousness. But I didn't come here this morning to tell you what's wrong with you. I didn't come here to tell you what's wrong with your church. I didn't come here this morning to tell you what's wrong with your culture. I've come here to tell you what's right with you. And here's what's right with you. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Are you listening to me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Awake to righteousness. And when you awake to righteousness, sin has no more power over you. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen? amen? The more you hear the good news of the gospel, that's when miracles begin to break loose and you begin to see the power of God. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 33. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. If you love the word, say amen. amen. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to, uh, to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Grace is not just the ability to, to, to sin and God doesn't care. That's, that's not the message of the gospel. Here's the message of the gospel. That your sins have been taken care of. Your sins have been forgiven. And now there's an empowerment on the inside of you because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and behold all things have become new. And the more we testify about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's the good news about the resurrection. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I but Christ lives on the inside of me. And if we get included in Christ's sin conquering death. We also get included in his life giving resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me though he were dead yet shall he 
live. And when you begin to testify about the resurrection of Jesus and you begin to testify about the resurrection that happened to you at your born again experience, sin breaks its hold on you and you walk in divine victory. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Pastor, this guy gets me stirred up. Man, I'm telling you right now. What I'm preaching to you is the gospel. Bad doctrine is worse than bad behavior. Bad doctrine is worse than bad behavior. Because you can't fix bad behavior with bad doctrine. But you can get good doctrine. And begin to get your eyes off yourself. And get your eyes on the cross. Get your eyes on the resurrection. Get your eyes on how much God loves you. And that good doctrine will break bad behavior in the name of the Lord. Look at Psalms 103. Psalms 103. I love preaching here. Hallelujah. Good things happen to those who believe God loves them. The world's longest sermon title. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Notice, once you get a revelation that he forgave all of your iniquity, look what you get included with. Hallelujah. He forgives all of your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies your mouth with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are pressed. He made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. Once you get the revelation about your iniquities have been forgiven, then you realize that you qualify for all the benefits of God. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? I got to use that in Finland. When I got to say, that amen means prayer. That was good. I didn't think hope was going to get it back. She almost lost it. She thought that was great. Hallelujah. There are many who suffer from disease because of guilt. You can't accept the forgiveness of God. You can't forgive yourself. And it's eating you up on the inside. But listen to me. I don't know where you've been. I don't know who made your bed. But listen to me. God is not mad at you. Anything that you've ever done to deserve the wrath of God... God took it out on Jesus 2,000 years ago, so he'd never have to take it out on you. You don't have to pay the penalty for your sin. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And the only man that had the right to live forever was Jesus Christ in the flesh. That 33-year-old man they put on the cross, he would still be alive today because there was no sin in him him but he was made to be sin with my sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus God the father turned his back on Jesus so he'd never have to turn his back on you can you say amen 
guilt and condemnation perpetuates sin. They perpetuate bad behavior. It perpetuates sickness and disease. But righteousness liberates you and provides freedom. You have been made righteous with his righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness means I'm in right standing with God. Hallelujah. How I many know we, what we, when we talked the last time I was here, we talked about what we already are. Stop trying to become what we already are. You are righteous. Hey, listen to me. You are righteous. If you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're righteous. If you're not, if you've never done that, we can fix that. We'll do it just a moment. But God wants to make you righteous. Jesus never committed any sin. I've never committed a righteous act. The Bible says the righteousness of man is his filthy minstrel rags. And one thing about filthy minstrel rags is no one wants to touch them. No one wants anything to do with them. And that's what our effort to be good enough looks like to the Father. Nothing in my hands I bring. Only to the cross I cling. Rock of ages cleft from me. Let me hide myself in thee. I've never done anything that was so super duper whooper whopper. Because woo, look at that righteous act he did. Everything that I am, I am by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only person, to, only man to live a sinless life. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was made sin with my sin. He went to the cross. He paid the price. And he gave up his spirit as a sacrifice. They didn't murder Jesus. His life was a sacrifice. He said, this one power I have the ability to do. I've got the power to lay my life down. And I've got the power to raise it back up again. And when Jesus gave up his spirit, they took him into hell illegally. Because he was made to be sin, but he never committed sin. And for three days and three nights, he suffered the penalty that you and I deserve. And somewhere in that time, while he was in three days and three nights in the bell of the earth, God said according to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5, And again I'll be to him a father. And again, he'll be to me a son. And Jesus, even though he was dead, what is death? Is it not being separated from the Father? God the Father turned his back on Jesus. So he'd never have to turn his back on you. Somewhere during that three days and three nights, God the Father, according to Hebrews 1, 5, says, And again, I'll be to him a father. And again, He'll be to me a son. And Jesus became the firstborn from the dead. All that time from the garden of Gethsemane pastor until he died, he never opened his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and he never opened his mouth. Had he opened his mouth, he's still the word of life. They couldn't kill him with him speaking because his words would have stopped the death process. They said, are you the son of God? What do you say, bud? All this time, he never said one thing in his defense. 
But I believe after God said again, I'll be to him a father. And again, he'll be to me a son. I don't know what he said. But I have a feeling it might have been something like this. And someday you'll get to heaven and look at the tapes and find out, Pastor Tim was right. (laughs) I believe Jesus said something like this. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's the moment David got born again. David wasn't even saved. Isaiah wasn't saved. Moses wasn't saved. The only man in the new covenant that was born again was Abraham. Abraham was the only one that by faith received these things. But ladies and gentlemen, the moment they knew who Jesus. How do you get born again? You guys got the script? How do you get born again? You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. And you believe that Jesus is Lord. How many know you couldn't see that in hell and not believe? And at that moment, all those Old Testament saints were born again. He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Some of them even stopped around in Jerusalem. and Let me tell you what just happened down in hell. And ladies and gentlemen, do you know what that means? Do you know who's sitting at the right hand of majesty on high? A born again man. Do you know who's interceding for you and me right now? A born again man. He didn't go back to the way he was before he was made flesh. He's still got the holes in his hands. He's still got the holes in his feet. He's still got a slit in his side. And a born again man is sitting at the right hand of majesty on high. And do you know who you are? You're a born again man. Do you know who you are? Listen, if I got to be the bride of Christ, you got to be a son of God. That's the way it works. <laughs> You're born again. You're not on the inside. You're not just a little bit like Jesus. You're exactly like Jesus. The moment that you were born again, how'd you get born again? Incorruptible seed of God's word was sown in your heart. It was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And out of that came the life of God and made you sons and daughters of God. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. And the religion has convinced us That we're just old sinners saved by grace. No, I used to be an old sinner. I got saved by grace and I became son of God. Woo, hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Look at John chapter 8. Oh my goodness. John chapter 8. Verse 2. Early in the morning he came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what should we do? What do you say? Now how many of you know they got him now? They said this to trick him. 
These people knew that Jesus was the Son of God. They knew he was the Messiah, and they hated him because he was messing with their reputation. That's wicked. That's luciferic. I mean, it's, it's a, it takes a luciferic spirit to realize who God is, but still not want to acknowledge him. That's what's at work in these governments that we live under. So he said this to trick him. Now here's the trick. Moses' law said she must be stoned. Do you know who Jesus is? He's the word made flesh. Do you know who told Moses to write that? That was the words of Jesus. He said this woman's been called in the act of adultery. We still haven't figured out where the guy is. I'm just saying. So, they've got me now. In the natural, I've got to hear from God. In the natural, I've got to find out what's going on here. And so Jesus kneels down and begins to draw in the dirt. And I've heard all kinds of sermons on what Jesus put in the dirt. But you know what I think he was doing? I think he was stalling, going, oh, God, help me, <laughs> help me, Father. Because <laughs> Jesus said, I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. Moses said this woman should be stoned. But if I say that, the Roman soldiers will kill me before I get a chance to go to the cross. Because only Rome has the ability at this time to take life. So what are we going to do here? And so Jesus stands up. And he looks at those men and said, he that's without sin gets to cast the first stone. And I believe why Jesus, how many know you can pray in tongues? You can pray mysteries. I think maybe you can write in the dirt in tongues. I don't know. <laughs> and I believe as those people saw Jesus drawing in the dirt, I believe they began to see the, new, the, the, the Old Testament commandments. And those men holding those rocks realized that I'm guilty. That if I throw this rock at that woman, because I mean, you know, when Jesus said, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. Do you feel the anointing when Pastor God was up here taking the offering? I mean, you feel it, can't you? Do you feel the anointing, since the anointing when Pastor Hamdi's talking about the goodness of God? I hope you do what I'm preaching too, but you're talking about you've been in the, you've been in the presence of great men and women of God. This is the Son of God saying, He that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And the only one that's without sin in that group of men is asking the question. Have you been ever under been convicted by the Holy Ghost before? And those men realized, if I throw this stone at her in this anointing, it's going to be like a football and bounce back and I'll be committing suicide right here because I have no right to cast the stone. And one by one, they begin to drop their rocks. That rock represents, they begin to drop the law that was written in stone. And they all walked one by one. And the shame of this woman, she doesn't even see or know what's going on. And Jesus gets down in the dirt with her and says, woman, where are your accusers? Excuse me. And this woman pulls back her hair. The dirt is stuck to the trails of tears on her face. 
And she looks up into the eyes at the only person that had the right to throw a stone. Because the only one that had the right to condemn her is saying, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Religions all the time are trying to take you back to the rocks. And because the law makes you hard, it makes you mean, you're always ready to judge somebody else's sin while you got a telephone pole sticking out of your own eye. You see people that are hard, spiritually, cold. They know a lot of facts about Jesus, but they're mean. They've never been ministered to by Jesus. Drop your rocks and receive the love of the Father. Jesus loves you. When Jesus was baptized in the Holy Ghost, he was 33 years, 30 years old. He comes up out of the water and God the Father who's been seeing in the, and every time he would go to synagogue and read the Old Testament, he'd get to see himself in the scriptures. I hope you're seeing yourself today. You're forgiven. He said, you are my beloved son. You're the son of my love. You're the son that I love. You're the son that I adore. Here, I'm well pleased with him. And immediately Jesus was led of the spirit in the wilderness. And he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Which makes no sense to me because we don't think that way. Uh, excuse me, Tim, you're about to face Satan. And he's going to tempt you in the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And if you fail this test, mankind will be lost forever and so will you. I would want a good night's sleep and a nice meal. <laughs> Making sure I'm sharp. But Jesus emptied himself of all physical strength. Because he knew it's not by our might and it's not by our power. But it's by the spirit of God that he received in that river Jordan. He's going to begin to defeat the devil in the lust of the eye. And the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And Satan comes up to him as if you're the son of God. Command these stones to be turned into bread. It's a type of the law. Go get your provision by going back to the law and working that Abrahamic covenant. But Jesus said, man shall not live by the law alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. And Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus conquered the devil that day, not because he knew the law, because he knew the love of the Father on the inside of him. And he kept hearing I'm his beloved. I'm his beloved. I'm his beloved. I'm his beloved. And when you get a revelation that God loves you, they cannot kill you. And to read the book of John, he was the disciple that Jesus loved. Jesus loved him. And he knew Jesus loved him. And John told everybody, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. I'm the disciple. Hello. Did you meet Peter? Did you hear him? I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. I'm the disciple that was leaning on his, on his chest. All the other disciples were martyred. They tried to put John in boiling oil. They were going to make a french fry out of him right there. 
He's like, he's like a hot tub. He's just sitting back there, you know, waiting for them to get done. They pull him out of there. There's no scars on his body. Why? Because it's not just knowing that you love God. It's knowing how much he loves you. Taps you into the grace of God. It's not the stones of the law that give you strength. It's knowing that you're loved of the Father and that he loves you. Lazarus was dead. This is a man that was good to Jesus. and He loved Mary and he loved Martha. He loved Lazarus. And he went there and it was time to, to get the life of God to him. And the first thing he said was, he rolled the stone away. Why? Because he had to get the law out of the way and fulfilled. So he could speak, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth in the grave coast. He said to loose him and let him go. You have a stone rolling away anointing in this church. So we're going to roll away all the legalism of the law. And we're going to stand here in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And know that the river of Istanbul is the church that Jesus loves. Amen. Amen. That's the way it works. And everyone knows that God loves them. Everyone that's in church on Sunday morning knows God loves him. But when you know he loves me. I know God loves us. But God loves me. The sun. Hope, could you come up here and flow in the Holy Ghost with me? The sunshine shines on all the grass of the field. But when you begin to magnify that sunlight on one blade of grass... It begins to burn. His eyes are as a flame of fire. That's not his wrath. That's his intense love for you. And when you begin to magnify the love of God on your life, it'll burn out all sin. It'll burn out all condemnation. It'll burn out all bondage. It'll burn out everything that you even hate about yourself. And you said, God, what's wrong with me? Why do I do this over and over and over again? It's because you got your eyes on the wrong thing. Focus on the love of God. Let it magnify in His life. And that love will set you free from everything that you even hate about yourself. That's a good place to say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. He's such a good God. Religion is a heavy burden. But Jesus said, my burden is easy. And my yoke is light. Religion just puts more rules on you. Religion just puts more frustration on you. But when you yoke up to Jesus, he does all the pulling. I'm just along for the ride. Can you say amen? amen? Oh, hallelujah. He loves you so much. It's like when I let my little 20-month-old granddaughter drive my car. Because I'm like that. You should see her mom. What are you doing? Me and Amy are driving. We drive around the parking lot. How many know... Really all she's doing is sitting on my lap, messing with the radio knob. You know who's really doing the driving, don't you? Paul, yes. Can I tell you something? Jesus has already done all the fighting. 
He's paid the price. He's provided everything that you need that pertains into life and godliness. We just look like we're doing something. Because it's not by my might. It's not by my power. It's by His Spirit, says the Lord. Can somebody say amen? amen. He loves you. He said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Would you please look at this one last scripture, John 17, 23. John chapter 17 and verse 23. And I'll give you a chance to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Jesus, John 17, 23. I and them, Jesus is praying to God the Father, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you've sent me and love them. As you have loved me. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask him. What would seem in, in, the, in your 2021 an offensive question. This guy right here looks pretty sharp. Got his new shoes on. Looking all good in his blue suit. and little sink. Looking sharp. You know, he's not going to look at me because he didn't want me to call me out. Call him out. But let me ask you something, sir. Can I ask you a question? Are you male or female? Male. Now, you haven't had like any surgeries or nothing like that. Or that. I didn't think so. I could tell I was talking to the right guy. Now, I'm not asking if you're a man or a lady. I'm asking, are you male or female? And you told me you were male. Do you know how you became male? You were born that way. I was there when Hope was born. She doesn't like to admit this, but I was there. And I can testify, she's a girl. That's all I got to say about that. I've changed her diaper. I know some stuff. Is she embarrassed? Good. Do you know how, you know how she was, do you know how she became a female? She was born that way. You got Jesus loves Africa on you. I love that. Sir, are you born again? Do you know how you became that way? You were born that way. Sir, are you a son of God? Do you know how you became that way? You were born again that way. One time we were born male or female, but at the second birth we were born sons and daughters of the Most High God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you just got to make up your mind. I'm free. And there's nothing you can do about it. Did you believe, How many believe when Jesus was on this earth, he was free? Jesus wasn't free because he didn't sin. Jesus didn't sin because he's free. You are not free because you don't sin. You don't sin because you have a revelation that you are born free can you say amen and so you just make up your mind I'm not fighting this battle God's fought it for me one time there was a Turkish boy and there was a Grecian boy and after they got through having an argument who had better baklava the Turkish boy went over there and said we got jackrabbits in Turkey as big as kangaroos 
And the Greek boy says, you do not. And the Turkish boy said, we do too. And the Greek boy said, you do not. And the, Greek, and the Turkish boy said, we did too. They had a Greek-Turk argument is what they had. And finally, the Texas boys, I mean, excuse me, the, the Turkish boy's big brother came up to him. So what are you guys fighting about? And the Turkish boy looked up at his big brother, big six foot three, 215 pounds of lean, mean fighting machine, looked up at his big brother and said, isn't it so true bro, that we got jackrabbits as big as kangaroos in Texas? And the te Turkish boy looked at the Greek boy and said, it is too so, boy. And the Greek boy goes, well, if he says it's so, it must be so. And, Sometimes the devil will argue with you. You're not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know what you thought. I know what you did. I know what, I know you had a bad day. You're not. And you say, I am too. And you say, yeah, oh, no, you're not. And you say, oh, yes, I am. And you say, oh, no, you're not. You have an argument with the devil is what you have. Quit arguing with the devil. Go get the big brother, which is Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. And say, ain't it so too that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? And my big brother look at the devil and say, it is so too, boy. I love it when he calls him boy. It is so too, boy. And the devil will have to say, well, if he says it's so, it must be so. You are free. I didn't come to tell you what's wrong with you. I've come to proclaim what's right with you. And Jesus has made you free.